When you arrive in country and start language learning, it's like being thrown into the deep end of an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Technically, you do know some basic strokes, but you're really not that great of a swimmer. So help when you're sinking fast, a language learning coach can come to your rescue and keep you from drowning. Maybe you need help with your breathing technique or a particular stroke. You can work together to stay afloat in that overwhelming pool we call fluency. Welcome everyone and let's welcome today's guest. Andrea is a seasoned language acquisition coach with Acquire. She's learned languages via app, immersion, language helper tutor, and classes. Andrea, welcome to Language on Purpose. Thanks for having me. Andrea, you have quite the impressive list of languages you've learned. Run down that list for us, please. I really enjoy language and culture, so... I studied or maybe maybe I would say dabbled in uh, nine languages. So Spanish, uh, American Sign Language, Norwegian, Czech, Russian, Mandarin, Arabic, Vietnamese, and uh, Bahasa Indonesian. But I would say I'm conversational in three. The others, you know, just little things here and there for a season. And those three are? Uh, Russian, Spanish, and Mandarin. Wow, that really puts me to shame. <laughs> Have you ever been asked before as a coach if you can speak the language your learner is working in? I know I've been asked that. Do you think that's necessary for a language coach? It certainly helps, right? But definitely not a requirement. With Vietnamese and Bahasa, I just wanted to get an idea of what kinds of sounds or what kind of grammar the learners were experiencing. And even with Vietnamese, it was really great because there's so many different ways to greet someone based on the levels of honor and different things. Oh my goodness, I would feel so discouraged right from the start. Just how do I say hi to someone the right way? I know I dabbled a little tiny bit in Vietnamese and those honorifics were like, oh my gosh, I could never understand. Is it the gender? Is it the age? Is it the type of relationship we have? So my hat's off to you. Okay, here's another coaching question I get asked a lot. Why in the world would you need a coach if you're going to language school? I think this is a good question for people to ask and wrestle with. I think it's sometimes hard to see, you know, a need for a coach when you're in a structured program. You feel like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever the teacher tells me, check it off. I'll do my homework, move on, trust the process. But there's so many things that you don't learn in a classroom that you still need to know and pursue on your own that it's really helpful. Can you expand on that a little more? Language school is great, right? And many global workers have to enroll in it to obtain a visa maybe, but it's definitely not the whole picture. There always be holes in your learning. And at least from my experience and the learners I've worked with, the average classroom, they spend a lot of time on vocabulary, grammar, you know, spelling, reading and writing. Um, they often don't spend anywhere near enough time on listening and speaking, and they almost never teach you like the nonverbals or particular phrases, you know, that you need for your context or situation. Like buying bottled water, finding diapers. Yes. Or meeting with staff at your children's daycare. And I know I worked with one learner and they wanted to go on a citywide search to find bagels of all things. So they had to learn, <laughs> I guess, how to say bagel or whatever. 
Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So helping learners what they need or nonverbals, you know, you talked about the honorifics in a lot of languages. There's the how you do it too, right? Do you add a bow? Do you shake hands? Just for greetings, you need to do it appropriately and to be interpreted well by the local people. Just to focus on sociolinguistics, it can even be something like when you go to someone's house, what's appropriate to bring? Do you need to bring a gift? Do you need to bring flowers? Can the flowers be any color or only certain colors? Can the flowers be any number or only certain numbers? And as you dig into those things and ask those questions, you know, you realize there's a lot more there. And a coach can help you learn more deeply what they are teaching you, right? So help you learn with your learning style. So maybe you learn better, you know, in a group context with discussion, but the classroom doesn't provide a lot of that. So a coach could help you walk through setting up a discussion group or help you find videos or just a good flashcard system, some of those things, or find a language helper that would help you record some of the language school material. Sometimes there's audio recordings, but a lot of times there aren't, or they're hard to access. So it's helpful to have local people speaking into your learning who can answer questions to whom you could just say, Hey, I had a really hard time with what we did in class. Could we practice some more? Or I got this dialogue. Could we go over it and talk through how I would use it in what situation? So maybe not learning necessarily even new material with that person, but expanding on what you're being required to do for class. And whether you're in language school or not, all language learners need help with the language learning experience of just feeling lost and overwhelmed. I think we both would agree that it's primary for all learners to be self-directed. So how do you keep the dynamic from being coach-directed? I know I struggle with that one. Yeah, it's hard. I try as much as possible to offer suggestions and alternatives to help them maybe see from a different perspective. At the end of the day, they're adults, right? And they need to decide how they want to address the problems and continue on with their learning. The ball's in their court. They make their own decisions. But even sometimes helping them think through, you know, if they do want to do something, how can they set up accountability for that? Or, you know, what can that look like? Switching gears a bit here, Andrea, is it necessary to have some kind of language acquisition training before starting with a coach? I have just come to understand more and more that coaching is not the time to do training, right? It's the time to help you with all the things you've been trained in. And if you haven't been trained in them, it's really helpful to set up a training. And so in the past, I think I was, you know, okay, it's fine. I'll just teach them these things right now. And and there's room for that little snippets of it here and there, but I really want the coaching to be related to the needs, the things that they're struggling with at the time. And usually training just takes up a little more space than we have in say a coaching call. Are we talking pre-field training? As far as training outside of a coaching call, I think pre-field training is one piece that can be really, really helpful. It's so good to have a framework already set up of what it means to learn a language as an adult. You're coming in aware of different factors or challenges you'll be facing. You have a few ideas of how to address them, what to expect. We in Acquire recommend pre-field training be done once people arrive. Then with the help of a coach, you can actually put knowledge into practice and everything makes more sense. Other training would maybe be focused on a particular concern, like they need different strategies as an advanced learner than an intermediate learner, or they want help with how to best use their study time or how to get out in the community and use language, different things like that. 
So at Acquire, do you do any assessments? Before people go on the field, you mean? Right. Yes, we offer a set of pre-field assessments that people can take. Their kind of pen and paper, fill them out, and then they um, return them to us. We look them over and score them or, or make some comments. And then we spend maybe about an hour, hour and a half going over them with the learner. So the assessments um, obviously aren't going to predict if you can learn language. We believe you learned your first language, you can learn another language, but they do give you some really good insight into potential challenges that you may face and where that you may be really um, able to do well, you know, strength areas that you have. So we have some that look at your attitudes towards language learning, which can be a big indicator of success. We'll look at your, just a profile of what you've studied in the past, just how you've done in school, if you've learned language before, if you've lived overseas before, and then we'll look at how self-directed you are. That is a big factor in determining how well someone does in learning language as an adult. And then we also look at learning styles. So just what are maybe some leanings that you have that will be affected when you're in a certain uh, learning environment overseas? Andrea, what would a typical coaching session be like if there is such a thing? Well, for me, my coaching sessions are usually about an hour over Zoom. And I would say they range from every two weeks to every two months, just depending on the learner or what the team is asking me to do with people. I usually spend time at the beginning just hearing how they're doing, you know, maybe following up with an event that happened like sickness or vacation or a conference. Then if there's something that I, I really need to go over, maybe they filled out a self-assessment or something, we'll look at that. We do a check-in on their goals and follow up on anything from their last call. And then try to spend the rest of the time on what they think is most important. I really encourage them to come with questions, things they've noticed, things they're wondering about. Some learners really would like to not think ahead of time. <laughs> you know, they just want to come in and have me run the show, but it's not being self-directed, right? So I had a great call last night with a young woman who she had questions written down and she went through and she said, okay, I'm thinking about this and I'm wondering about this. And so it was really great. I was able just to say, hey, here's some suggestions. Here's some ideas. Have you thought about this or that? So I feel like coaching is just a wide range of you know linguistic, emotional, mental, all those things. Sometimes it means just helping people see why they're feeling the way they are. Um, sometimes it's, you know, putting on my mom hat a little bit. I will say it's hard for me to say hard things sometimes to a learner. Sometimes I'm not always as tactful as I could be, but that's part of growing and just, you know, part of being a coach is being honest with them. And then I would say I also really love for learners to share stories, you know, wins or failures and, and we can just laugh together and think through how they're learning through those experiences. I'm going to ask you in a sec about that mom hat you talked about, but can you tell us the haircut story that you told me? It happened a while ago for a learner and he just shared with me, he went in to get his haircut and he had been trying to grow it out, but he needed a trim. And so he, you know, he held up his fingers, you know, about an inch apart and said something like, I want you to take off this much. But instead of cutting off an inch, they only left an inch. And he was so sad. <laughs> well, I guess he had to go back to growing his hair out again. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the troubles I had trying to get my bangs cut right. Oh, no. 
Andrea, I know language learning coaching is not the same as life coaching, but you said that about your mom hat. I'll say sometimes, hey, I'm just going to put my mom hat on here for a second. And then I talk to them about things like their physical health. I prep them ahead of time. I say, I know this will be a little bit weird, but you know, how are you doing moving your body? How are you doing, you know, eating? You just moved to this tropical climate. Are you drinking enough water? And and they kind of feel like, well, why are you asking me these things? But I explain to them, you know, if you don't move your body, then you don't sleep as well. And if you don't sleep as well, then your brain doesn't work as fast. Or if you're not drinking enough water, you'll be sluggish and you can't process language as well. Or I had some learners who shared with me that they, for breakfast, they found this really great place that had waffles. So they were so excited to have waffles every day for breakfast. And then in between their break with class, they would go and get this great iced latte. And I thought, okay, so you're fueling your body with white flour and sugar and um, no, you need some protein in there. So yeah. So sometimes I just joke and say, okay, I'm just going to kind of be like your mom for a minute and encourage you, you know, I'm not going to make that decision, but encourage you to, to think about these things. Can you take us inside one of your coaching success stories? There's this really sweet learner. When I started working with her, everything was great. You know, she would follow suggestions. She always sounded positive and, and put on a happy face. And I was coaching her from the U.S. just every couple months and she really covered well. So I would say it wasn't until maybe six or eight months in that I realized, oh no, this is actually going horribly for her. Language is not coming and she's just really struggling. Some of her emotional struggles started to come out. And as a coach, I encouraged her to be honest with herself and her team and suggested to see a counselor. You know, those are start to move out of my realm. And those things started to make a difference. I would say some of the shame she was feeling for not doing well with language, you know, just feeling stupid, embarrassed, all of that lessened. And then she was able to focus on what she needed for language. So we started meeting more frequently. We came up with a plan and put some supports in place for her. As she became, you know, more honest with herself and with me, we were able to take some steps accordingly. If she was able to say, no, this is still really hard. I could say, okay, great. Then what can we do about this? Here's some strategies. Whereas Earlier, she maybe would have just said, okay, okay, you know, and just kind of gone along with everything. Could you give us an example of of how you implemented some of those strategies? One example is she was feeling really overwhelmed with the new material presented in class. So we just talked about really simple previewing the material that was going to be coming. Then we would kind of get down to specifics. Okay, when in your schedule, can you set aside time to do that? And, you know, what would that look like? And then she tried it and said, oh, that was so much better. You know, class was just not as overwhelming. Another strategy we did was to use the backwards buildup method um, for learning dialogues. Like in the Pimsleur method, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was huge for her. Suddenly she said she could remember so much more. So just giving her some different strategies and then continuing to walk with her and say, okay, hey, remember that? Or you said you wanted to do that. Are you still doing that? is it helpful? I think started to make a big difference. And she's just in a much better headspace right now. And to be honest, language learning is still really hard for her. It's not like, oh, suddenly, you know, I magically changed her life in that way, but she's running after it. She hasn't given up. She hasn't left the field. Uh, Her team loves her and is really supportive. So it's just been really great to see. That 
almost brought tears to my eyes, Andrea. I'm really liking here what you're saying about how coaching is not a one-two-fits-all, that you don't have this fixed plan going into a session, but you consider each learner and try to adapt your coaching to their individual needs. Yeah, it definitely takes a little more work and flexibility. I really liked when I used to come in with a plan, you know, it was nice because then I knew what we're going to talk about. It was controlled and it was really comfortable, but I just started to see how it wasn't necessarily best for my learners. So I try to be kind of ready for whatever they're going to throw at me, but not feel like I have to have all the answers. Someone that's considering going to the field who has some um, learning disabilities, some dyslexia, you know, asked me the other day, do you think learning a language with characters is harder or easier for someone like me with dyslexia? And I said, hmm, that's a great question. I don't know, but I'll do some research and see what I can find out for you. So not feeling like I have to have all the answers, but really giving them a lot of space to talk about what is most important to them. Andrea, I'm curious if you think that coaching is most beneficial at the beginning or in another stage of language learning. I think at the beginning, people need a lot of help getting started. They have a lot of questions. Language learning in a new country is you know, often different than anything they've ever done before. It's easy to get into bad habits. But I also think there's a huge need after language school. So once language learners get out of that structured environment, they often don't really know what to do, suddenly have all this time. And then in the middle stages, learners can hit a point where they're they're just kind of over it. They lose motivation. Maybe they can survive and get by. So I think a coach can help change things up and get them moving again. So I personally think it's kind of all along, right? Like in a sport, you wouldn't pull the coach out during the second quarter and say, oh, they'll be fine till later. I feel like it's the same, you know, language learning is this huge task and we just want people to feel supported and have what they need throughout the whole process. What makes a learner coachable? Well, (laughs) I think the first one maybe is a no-brainer, but you have to have the humility to receive coaching, right? Just to be willing to be coached, I think is the first thing. I guess it's like having a a weight loss coach. If you hire a coach, you have to be willing in the first place to lose weight, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) After that, the learners I really enjoy are the ones who come ready to learn and ask questions. So, you know, Andrea, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Or, hey, I have this opportunity. Do you think I should take it or not? Not that I have the final say on things, but when they come in seeing their coach as someone who has something valuable to give them and they want to listen, it makes a big difference. Whereas I have other learners who just come, they tell me what they're doing and that's it. They can't be wrong. End of discussion. They've just already got it all figured out. So that presents a very different situation. One last question. What's the bottom line for you as a coach? I read recently that the number one thing that keeps people on the field is relationships with local people. So if you don't know the local language, it's really hard to have deep local friendships. And I want learners also to understand that the more comfortable you are with language, the more comfortable you're going to be with your life in general overseas, and the more likely you are to stay, you know, and we really want people to not just survive, but to thrive overseas. 
language is for relationship. And I couldn't agree more. Could you close us out, Andrea, with your very own super duper language blooper? Then you can tell us about a choir. In Mexico one time, I really wanted to use my Spanish. And so we were at a restaurant and I asked the server for juego de naranja. And he paused at me and looked and said, okay, and um, brought me some orange juice. But you know, whenever you see that pause, you got to think, what did I just do? (laughs) Something wasn't right. And yes, yes, I did mess up. So the word I should have used was jugo for juice. Instead, the word I used was juego for game. So instead of asking for juice from an orange, I had asked for juice from a game. (laughs) So whoops. Um, but the great thing was I didn't mess it up again. You know, and after that you remember and it sticks with you and you think, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Just one more way to identify with your learners. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now you can tell us about a choir. Yes. So Carol Lewis and I started a choir together. Our goal is to train language learners and also to train coaches. Um, you can go to our website, acquirelanguage.net and see what we're about the one-on-one coaching we offer, the courses we've developed, and in everything we do, we feel like coaching is is really vital. So whether it's coaching our learners or coaching coaches, we're there to help in any way we can. Definitely check out their CELL course. I think it's unique because it's offered on the field and comes with a language coach. What does CELL stand for, Andrea? CELL stands for Skills for Effective Language Learning. It's 10 lessons on how to learn a language, and they're just very practical, very hands-on. You put them into place right away. We both heard at the recent Language Learning Congress that training plus coaching yields 300% better results than just training alone. Absolutely astounding, 300%. So you guys at Acquire, just keep on keeping on. Andrea, I really appreciate you being on the show today. That website again is acquirelanguage.net. Thanks for having me. It's been great. I'm Mary Lynn Kindberg, and thanks for listening to Language on Purpose. Find us on your favorite podcast platform and always at our webpage, languageonpurpose.org subscribe or follow and you won't miss an episode. See you next time and keep doing those laps in the pool.